two or three rows here of knuckleheads, young people we've got up here, uh, to our older folks, to everybody in between who's a part of this congregation. We are thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning and that we can encourage ourselves for just a few moments as we study a portion of God's word together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. We're going to look this morning at the idea or the fact that there are really four main concepts in the Bible. You open to page 1, the book of Genesis. You open to the end, Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 21. Open anywhere in between and there are four main concepts. Here in the beginning we see the first one. The first one is God. And so it was that the God of heaven, creator of all things, carefully crafted this beautiful place that we call home. And in it, he fashioned this wonderful garden, this place of beauty that, that I can only imagine where there was peace and tranquility where he could live. God herein was making provisions. And so God takes the dust of the ground and he forms man in his image and with not a suitable helper to be found he causes the deep sleep and he takes the rib and fashions woman and there in this dare we even say perfect garden of eden god lives with his creation of man and so we have the second main concept of the bible and that is the idea of man god created man and this is wonderful this is the way that god always wanted it in fact, the Apostle John would say by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, My little children, these things I write unto you that you may not sin. That was God's idea. That was God's plan. But of course, we know, and sometimes even today we get confused, is that God in His infinite wisdom did not just say, Here you go, live as you may, live as you want, or however you desire. But he also gave divine guidance. And so we get to Genesis chapter 2 in verse number 16, where God says, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And Eve the woman partakes and offers unto her husband Adam, who also partakes. And we know that here sin enters the world, and by sin, death. But not just that, by the end of chapter 3, God drives them from the midst of the garden and they are separated from God. And the third main concept that we see in the Bible is that of sin. And folks, we've got many problems in this world. No doubt if we stepped outside these doors and took a poll, we would see that we would have many different answers. Some might say that the economy is our number one problem. Others might say that it is the threat of nuclear weapons or nuclear war. Others still might say that it's our, our politics and the constant disagreement between political parties. Lack of education, poverty, illegal immigration. And maybe the vast majority might even say the biggest problem in the world today, the one that would cripple us all, is global warming. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that of all those things that can cause us grief and pain, there is only one problem in the world today as it has been since that day in the Garden of Eden. 
There is only one thing that can cause us grief and pain in all of eternity, and that's the problem of sin. Sin is the problem. It's what kills us. James says in James chapter 1 and verse number 15 that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The Apostle Paul says, you're dead. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, speaking to those in Ephesus, he writes about their condition or their state before they were converted and became Christians. And he says, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, the consequence, the wages, the payment, what we deserve for sin is death. The prophet Isaiah said it correctly in Isaiah chapter 59, verses number 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor is his ear too heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's not God's problem. It's not God's fault. But in Genesis chapter 3, the problem of sin is only beginning. And by the time we reach Genesis chapter 12, there are actually four events of sin. The first is the transgression of Adam and Eve there in Genesis chapter 3. But by the time we reach Genesis chapter 4, things are not any better because Cain commits premeditated murder against his own brother. Number two, and you may not even have to turn a page in your Bible to get to number three, to get to Genesis chapter 6 through 9, because we've just... Jumped off the cliff, if you will. The Bible says that every thought of man's heart was only evil continually. And it's so bad that the New King James says that the Lord was sorry. God was sorry because he did something wrong. Absolutely not. The Lord God was sorry because we, mankind, couldn't get our act together. So he decides to start over. Basically, literally wipe the slate clean. As he is going to destroy everything with water, saving man only through Noah and his family. But again, no need to read page upon page in your Bible because by the time we make it to Genesis chapter 11, man in his sinfulness and arrogance says, Come, let us make a tower whose top is in the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. And God says, No, you're not. And he confounds their language and he scatters them upon the earth. We see it four times already, and we know that the third main concept in the Bible is sin. But before we reach the end of chapter 11 there in Genesis, we're introduced to a man named Abram. Later, much better known as Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we are introduced to God's next great promise. As he says in verse number 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Paul would even later write about it in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 8 as he would say, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So it is that we began to see the final concept carried throughout the pages of the inspired word of God, the Bible. And that fourth concept main theme of the bible is redemption god asked abram or abraham to trust him and obey him and he god will bless him you see god had in mind in genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 and even maybe as far back as genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 this idea 
and begins to incorporate his scheme of redemption. We follow this great man through the book of Genesis until we come to Exodus. And while we've covered this great book in detail through the last few weeks, by short reminder, this morning we see that God chooses the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses to be his people. He makes a covenant with them and he provides redemption. He brings them out of the land of Egypt and he is going to provide for them. And even as we talked about last Sunday morning in our lesson, he provides this great tabernacle to be built as a temporary dwelling in which he can be with his people. But as the scripture tells us, God is holy. And a sinful people cannot be with a holy God unless there is a way prepared. But just as God made provisions for Noah to be able to live through that flood, he made provisions for the children of Israel. He set up this system of sacrifice. We see it even as far back as as Abraham and going into the book of Genesis. But he sets up this system of sacrifice to be made. And yes, the details are long. And yes, the details are very complicated and difficult to us. But what we can and should understand is that God made provisions. Often it was this animal sacrifice. Remember just a few moments ago as we discussed the problem and the severity of sin, we said that the consequence of sin is death. So a death must occur. And in the law of Moses, we see that a death is paid. Blood is shed. But it comes at the price of the blood of an animal or a lamb. Blood has always been important. The blood that was shed in the Old Testament was applied to different places and and different things in the tabernacle. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse number 11 tells us that life is in the blood. And the sprinkling that the high priest would do, sprinkling this blood that was shed on these different things and different places in the tabernacle was symbolic of God cleaning out the sin and the purification that would need to take place among the people. We sometimes call this period being discussed here the mosaical dispensation. And it worked. God made provisions for the people. And if they would follow his divine instructions, then redemption could be had there. And there could be fellowship with God. However, the prophet Jeremiah would go on to say in Jeremiah chapter 31, and verses 31 through 34, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, these words, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, that I took in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. The writer of Hebrews, before he quotes this very same passage from the book of Jeremiah, in Hebrews chapter 8, in verse number 7, would say, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no covenant have been sought in the second place. The fact that it was not faultless does not mean that it was not a mis- or does not mean that it was a mistake, 
The fact that there was a better covenant, again, those are the words of the Hebrew writer, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 6. The fact that there was a better covenant does not mean that the old covenant was bad. It simply means that it had a different partner and a different purpose and a different duration or length of time. Simply put, the law of Moses was not the answer. It was but a tutor or a schoolmaster, if you will, to bring those unto the law of Christ, as Paul would say in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 24. Just a chapter before that in Galatians 2 and verse number 21, Paul says that if righteousness came from the law, then Christ died for nothing. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 15 and 17, we see that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for the transgressions. Notice there what it says. He died for the transgressions of those under the first covenant. Notice here another important idea. Why would Jesus do that? Why did he die for those under the first covenant? Well, the Hebrew writer doesn't leave us in suspense. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 4, he says that the reason that Jesus had to do that was because the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of animals, could not take away sins. The forgiveness that they received under the old covenant that was given, notice now, was given prospectively to the death of Jesus on the cross. The difference is that we look back retrospectively in regard to what he did on our behalf. So here we stand today. And notice what we've said so far. There is a sin problem. And every man and woman, every person who is accountable, we sometimes say of the age of accountability to God, has that sin problem. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we've noticed that what God's scheme of redemption entails is that throughout the span of time, from the very first sin in the Garden of Eden to March 17th, 2019, is that God has made provisions. He's made a plan for mankind. We sometimes call it the scheme of redemption. Look with me again if you have your Bibles in 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. Notice with me the words that the Apostle John writes there. 1 John 2 beginning in verse number 1. He says, my little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Last week I heard Brother Steve Wiggins say it this way. Let's say that you're being accused of a crime. And the prosecuting attorney for the great city of Saudi Daisy is going to press charges against you. And you will take the stand against judge and jury. And you know, you know in your heart of hearts that you are innocent. Do you know what you need? You need a good lawyer. Now let's say that you're being accused of a crime. And the prosecuting attorney for the great city of Saudi Daisy is going to press charges. You're going to stand before judge and jury. And you know that you're guilty do you know what you need now an even better lawyer but john says in first john chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 in the biblical context we are guilty we're guilty of the crime of sin but jesus stands on our behalf 
as an advocate. He pleads our case. And He stands before the heavenly judge. We can't do it on our own. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. He's already done it. He did it for Noah. He did it for Abraham. He did it for Moses and the children of Israel. God made the provision, and you know it. He said it. He told us. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, and for God so loved me, that He gave His only begotten Son. Friends and brethren, there's a great problem in the world today. And it has eternal consequences. The bad news is sin. But the good news is that of Jesus Christ. The good news is the news of redemption. Redemption from sin and its consequences. The idea in the Bible of redemption is that of a payment. The word used in many places in the New Testament carries with it the idea of buying back someone who was sold into the service of someone else. Literally, to pay a ransom. We were bought back to God by the price of Jesus' death on the cross. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Christ has redeemed, there's the word, redeemed us from the curse of the law. The bad news is sin. But the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The advocate, the propitiation, the divine provision for our sin problem. To go back to our title this morning of the lesson of God's scheme of redemption, we see Paul say it in so many words in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 11 when he says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church that was bought with the blood of Jesus was not an afterthought. It was not a second-rate plan. God made the provision, and He sent His Son. Now next week, we're going to take a look at exactly what Jesus did and what He has told us to do. We're going to take about a three-week series here on Sunday morning and take a look at God's scheme of redemption, God's plan of salvation, and what it means for us. But one final interesting note this morning about God's scheme of redemption is that it didn't even end there on that cruel cross of Calvary. God's plan for the salvation of man, His scheme of redemption, will be finished when Jesus returns. Final judgment is made and the faithful find themselves in eternity with the Father. No more sin and no more death. It's a wonderful plan. One that we can see working throughout the history of mankind in our own sinfulness. And we're thankful for that this morning. Thankful that He has made a way for you and for me to be acceptable to Him. It's why Paul could write as well in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 33. Oh, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways, are His judgments past finding out. And verse number 36, for of Him... And through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. We're thankful that he has made a way for us to be acceptable unto him. We initially become acceptable by obeying the gospel. As we make that confession of our faith, 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, having repented of our sins, we can be immersed into the watery grave of baptism, rising again to walk in newness of life. And we can then enter God's kingdom. Maybe you've done that, but you've not been faithful to God's will and to his word. We sometimes do and say things in our life that are not, are not in accordance with the will of God and the way that he wants us to live. You can repent of your sin and confess it, either in a private nature or a public nature, and God is faithful to forgive. What a terrible, terrible problem that sin is in the world today. But what a wonderful, wonderful provision that God made in sending his son, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to heaven's call in any way, we're ready to assist you as together we stand and as we sing.